Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes! Caught Offside from Manhattan. From an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney, one of our most highly anticipated podcasts of the year. What's up, brother? I'll tell you what's up, Andrew. Firstly, this podcast, I always enjoy doing it so much, but I'm always so trepidatious because I feel uncertainty ahead of the start of this season. And maybe I feel that every season, but way more so at the start of this season, which I think is a good thing. Um. But I'm I, I'm holding in my hand a present from my daughter, um, who's too young to buy presents. So it's from my girlfriend called Arthur Hopcraft, the football man, a oh. masterpiece among sports books, says The Guardian. Is there any better way to start the season than me pretentiously walking around Brooklyn holding this? And uh, I, I, you know what I'll do? I'll just, wear be- like... just begging for people to ask you what it is you got there. Oh, oh yeah, this whole I'll... thing? I'll sit outside the coffee shop tomorrow morning and I might even bring a pipe and I'll just read this and I'll wear the most obscure jersey I can think of. And I'll just go, what, this old thing? Oh, um, you've never read it. Oh, oh dear. I'm rereading it. You love that. You love for people to know that you're well read, that you read things that are a little bit, just, just a little bit different, a little bit smarter, a little edgier. That's you. Uh, this podcast, I- I'm so excited about this one. It's the uh, it's part one of our Premier League preview specials. Uh, we'll have a second one for you. You'll probably see it early Thursday morning. Uh, but that one, I should say right now, is is it's all for you. But that one is kind of by you. That's where we do yeah. our annual EPL mailbag special. So please, by all means, um, I haven't checked to see if the animals on Reddit have started a thread. But uh, that would be I don't great. know. That's new. Job and if Newman's slacking already at this point in the season, I mean, does he justify his seventy-five thousand dollars a year plus uh, health insurance? Don't think so. 
Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you get that going, that would be great. If you want to send us messages on, on Twitter, that's another way you can do it at CO soccer pod. Um, you guys know all, all the different ways. So start getting that in now because we'll go through those. Uh, and that one is always a ton of fun as well. We'll do our predictions in part two, but part one, we are here for part one, which is our patented 10 questions before the season begins. I walked into the patent office and, and tried to get it actually patented. They, they told me to F off and uh, I walked out of there in shame. Uh, but I, I feel like it should be patented because we do this before every season. I love going through this. So we're, we've got them all lined up here, JJ. Um, before we dive in, I did want to just expound a little bit on what you said before about how coming into the season, the uncertainty of it all. And yeah. um, I would say I I fully co-sign that and agree with that. I'm feeling I feel similarly. And I and I agree with you also that I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think a lot of that uncertainty is based on the fact, that, and as we go through this, that'll it'll reveal itself. Look, I, I still I still feel the same way about Manchester City that I did last season. It's their league, um, but I do feel like that second tier, like the teams kind of below them, I feel like that's maybe a little bit larger. I feel like that there's, a, you know, whoever finishes like two through six, I feel like you could almost just like put a bunch of names in a hat and and throw it up in the air and see how it falls, and that could be it. Like I don't have a real a real like steadfast feeling as to how that's going to go. And I, and I kind of like that coming into this season. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think there's two teams whose emergence or in some cases you could say reemergence, we have to track. So it's Newcastle where they, will they continue at the pace they're going? Have they done enough in the summer to continue that trajectory with the money from uh, the PIF of Saudi Arabia? And then you have Aston Villa who, uh just seem to get better and better under Unai Emery, finished the season extremely strongly. Are they going to be a force, continue to be a force? And then, like I was talking to my friend who was a big Spurs fan, the owner of the Black Horse in Brooklyn, and Brian, and uh, met him and he goes, I don't know what we'll be, Jay. I think we might be entertaining because of Ange, but I don't know what we'll be. Yeah. And I, I feel similarly with, with that sentiment, certainly when in talking about them, but, um, but yeah, so let, let's start going through it. We've got our questions here. Uh, I'll start off with the first one, JJ, the first question that we're going to get through, which newly promoted side will finish the highest. Um, I'll start here. My answer. Yeah, to I'd this, like you to start. Yeah. My answer to this is Burnley and I, I'm, everyone's I'm, answer is let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm really, I'm kind of fascinated by this because first off, I, they led the championship last year, 87 goals last season, a plus 52 goal difference, just three losses over the course of the season, lost just once at home. But what what I find it why I find it fascinating is because like this is not your older brother's Burnley. It's really not even your Burnley. I mean, it's only like two years ago we kind of had like a certain perception of what they were, but like they're coming back into the Premier League, but it's not. It's not Burnley. Like they'll be wearing Burnley's uniforms and playing at Turf Moor, but it's, but it's not the Burnley that you that you think of. The Sean Dyche Burnley, more possession, more attack, way more scoring. Now the question that people are going to ask is whether or not that kind of courage uh, is going to be punished at the next level. Right. And like, look, I, probably ultimately, yeah. Like there there will be games where they take a beating. There's no question about that. But I don't think it's just a given that promoted sides that want to attack more are always going to be in trouble. Like look at Leeds a few years ago, look at Fulham last season. Um, so like, to me, that's, if you're just going to say, 
oh, well, they they like to attack. They're not just going to set up and, and put all these guys behind the ball and, and soak up pressure and defend. So they're probably going to struggle. That That's lazy to me. Like, I, I don't know that that's, that's not the case. We've seen other promoted sides play an attacking style and succeed. Uh, Vincent Company, of course, the man in charge now for this club. Uh, a 3-5-2 is kind of how they're going to set up. Reverts to a back four when they lose possession. Uh, so it's it's going to be different, JJ, than than the old missionary of four four two that we remember all those years under Deitch. Uh, so I I can't wait for this with Burnley. It's just like the difference in them is going to be it's going to be jarring at first, I think, for a lot of people. But I think it could be a lot of fun. I think anyone who watched them or got to watch them in the championship last season would 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 turn their TV on, go to ESPN Plus. They would see Turf Moor. They would see the fans. Then they'd see Vincent Company, and that's oh, that's that puts you off a bit. Where is the where is the ginger head of Sean Dyche? And then they'd watch the game, and you'd see how dramatically different the play was. Um, so you're right; it's it's not the Burnley we've known in the past. Um, I say Burnley as well, Andrew. And by way of giving something a bit more interesting, I suppose uh, I agree totally with what you said about Burnley. Doesn't mean that they'll be they'll be very good at all. They may get cut open. The step up, the gap between the championship and the premiership is huge. Uh, but I'll tell you why it won't be Sheffield United and Luton Town. Uh, Daniel Story uh, pointed out in his iNews preview about Sheffield United that they're actually weaker than the team that got promoted from the championship. So over the summer, they've lost solid, experienced players. Now, they have a solid, experienced defence, but they've shed so many loan players and players like Njai, Billy Sharp, who, who bring them so many goals. Um, it's sucked the goals out of the side. So it's all right being, you know, having decent defenders, but you have to score at some point, and that could be a problem. Benny Traore is going to need to be uh, in serious form for them. So that's, uh, I suppose, Sheffield United's problem. Similarly, Luton Town, they just don't have the quality, and they're probably going to rely massively on a decent, tight defence, which... I mean, tight defense in the championship does not mean tight defense in the Premier League. Uh, it's, it's just too hard to extrapolate that will still be the same, but they'll have to be um, stingy at the back. Um, Kenilworth Road, Andrew. That's oh, the big talk yeah. over the summer. Was it? I, I didn't see the thousand Twitter pictures and Google images of, of their away end. Yeah, and the construction, uh, they're calling it extensive renovation. So they're going to be away for the first two games. Well, their um, first match... What was supposed to be their home opener against Burnley was postponed. Yeah, because um, it's not ready. And I think I think it's right that the Premier League should allow them the time to get this ground up to as close a standard as possible because there's there's no way I would like to see them playing anywhere else. I saw some suggestions months ago about them playing at Milton Keynes. Who wants Milton that? Keynes, nobody wants that. It's not, it's not even close to Luton. Um, so you wonder how the old world charm and tight pitch could give the home side an advantage. But like squad-wise, they're going to have to hope that signings from the championship, like Chidozi Ogbene, who I think is a good player, Republic of Ireland International, but I mean, has been playing his trade at Rotherham, uh, and Mads Anderson are going to fare at the highest level. And again, goals. Is is Carlton Morris 20 goals last season in the championship? Is he, is he a Premier League level striker at 27 years of age? Probably not. Um, but he'll need to be. So Luton are going to bore us to death with every commentator going, well, they once had a plastic pitch here at Kenilworth Road. Um, and now if you want to get to the ground, you have to go through someone's back garden. And then, and then there was a picture that was going doing the rounds of where, you know, the club shop. 
and it's literally a bodega. Like it's the size of a bodega here in New York City, like a corner store. Um, whereas you think of the massive mega club oh, uh, yeah. shops outside Liverpool and Anfield, like huge, shiny um, bastions of footballing capitalism. And this is just this tiny little fo- um, little store. So look, we learn more about Luton Town and Sheffield United as we go. I don't think the Sheffield United team is as robust as the as the team that came up and stayed up a couple of seasons ago. And Luton Town projections aren't good. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Well, I'll say this for Sheffield United. I, I was reading JJ that sixty uh, four year old Sean Bean is getting a trial with them. So, so there's that. They're gonna they're gonna um, do that thing they did in the Irishman to his face, right? And and he's going to look fifty four. It's the blades, then, JJ. The blades. Uh, we should tell people that Andrew refers to uh, when Saturday comes that classic Sheffield United Sean ba- uh, Sean Bean based mid nineties film. Did we decide whether it was good or bad? I think we thought it was so bad it's good. Yeah. Yeah, JJ had me as a homework assignment uh, watch it. So go back. I I did a whole review of it um, a few months ago on the pod. If you're actually if you're actually interested in uh, hearing my thoughts on when Saturday comes, there was a whole review. Um, all right, so Burnley, we're in agreement on our first question. Let's keep moving here, JJ. Which club who finished outside the top four last season has the best chance of finishing inside the top four this season? Um, you mind uh, if I allow me if to... I go? Oh, you want? Oh, oh, oh my! Whoa, whoa, whoa! I let you start, then I go next. Well, you just spoke for the last seven minutes. Oh, is that how it works? Oh, trying to I see already. New season, new autocratic Andy trying to trying to stomp on me. Who do you have here for this? Uh, I have Chelsea, and this, my friends, is mm. total guesswork, conjecture, and faith in the talents of a one-time top Premier League manager. Maurizio Pochettino. By the way, just a quick one. Uh, so we, if you want to listen to our Mike Lone interview that I did last week, you really should. It's very, very good. And he gives his own little Premier League preview. Who fouled Michael Owen for Beckham's penalty against Argentina in the 2002 World Cup? It was Poch. It was Poch. Yeah. A long-haired version, was it not? A long-haired yeah. version. I went, I went back and I watched it. I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you I watched the entire game, but... I may have watched the entire game, so you can tell how well I'm parenting right now. Um, <laughs> I have no clue if uh, Chelsea are up to it. Not really, but they've cleared a ton of dead wood. They've still got like what we would describe as a serious talent, and they should be leaner and meaner, and that's how like Pochettino likes his squads. Uh, no European football equals more time to work on Poch principles. Um, now, Christopher Nkunku's injury, which will leave him sidelined until at least December. That is... This is this injury is not just a footnote no, for a team for a, a team that scored just thirty eight goals oh. in thirty eight games last season. They thought this guy who was having a good preseason was going to help fix a lot of that. that. Of all the things, they didn't need that. They, they did not need that. Um, but I'm going to back Potch here, uh, particularly if they can get Caicedo uh, over the line. Which I mean, I, I assume they will. I think though, I, th- I think that's inevitable. What we, he didn't train, I think, today. He refused to train to try and get this over the line. Um, but I've, I've been looking at the Opta analyst, Andrew, who we love. Mm-hmm. And they've been on Opta's website. Um, here's what Opta has from their simulations for how the season will go. Hmm. The Premier League title seems unlikely for Chelsea, given they won it on just 130 of the 10,000 
preseason Optus supercomputer simulations of the 2023-24 campaign, but regaining their status as a Champions League club will be vital. They managed this via a top four finish across 16% of simulations, which was the sixth highest behind Newcastle United's 24.8%. So you're saying there's a chance. Sixth, sixth highest? Sixth highest behind well, Newcastle's 24.8%. But that, then that doesn't bode well. It, it bodes that they're at least in the running, I would say. There's well, that's how I'm. But that's it, I thought I'm you rooting. were going to tell me that they had them third or fourth. No. Uh, um, well, you kind of missold that. Well, no, but again, I told you at the start, it's guesswork, conjecture, and faith of in course. Pochettino. And I do think, like, and I'll get to some of the the, the things um, that Poch can do. But it's a younger squad. It's a squad that's going to run a lot more. It's a squad that's going to have like a very clear identity, and it's a it's a a squad that's going to be shorn of so much flab and i think i think he can get them into shape i believe in him they, they have to i saw a quote from pochettino a few weeks ago where he said we can't have a squad of 30 players and no. like and it's funny too because when i saw him say that my mind immediately i mean i agree like he's he's completely correct about that but right away i kind of thought about graham potter and I just started thinking, oh. like, what happened to that guy? Like, yes, I'm sure there, maybe he wasn't up for that job at that point in his career. Maybe he wasn't quite ready. But that guy, he needs another chance. Like, I feel like he was put into a position where he did not have a fair shot. That that was the that was the first really, I mean, no offense to Brighton, but this was the first really big job that Grant Potter had. And it was a squad that big. Players are getting changed in the hallway because there's no yeah. room. I mean, like, with the, with the amount of ego in that room, I mean... He never had a chance. And when I heard Potts say that, like, I'm not, I can't manage a team with this many players. I started thinking about some of the managers before who tried and failed. Like it just, it can't be done. So I agree. And, I mean, like- and by the way, they have, I mean, they still have more to go, but they've, they have a lot of those, the names are gone. Like they've already, they've shorn a lot of that weight. Yes. Although, although today we saw reports that the, uh, the FA are investigating Chelsea um, for financial irregularities under the Roman Abramovich era, which is like, yeah, it was a regular that someone came in and bought that club. That's what was a regular. <laughs> Everything about that was a regular. Um, Where have you been? Your, your stuff, you know, Chelsea is a perfect encapsulation. I think of what we talked about at the start of the pot of the uncertainty of the league, because there's just certain things about them. Like I think about Michaela Mudrick and I'm just like, okay, well this can, which way is this going to go? Like for the, the amount of money that he was bought on, you think, okay, well, there's there's probably a player in there. And if he fulfills yeah. it, like last season might have been the like, okay, I'm finding my footing in a new league. This is a big adjustment. I'm coming in the middle of the season. Like maybe it's understandable. If he finds it, then all of a sudden, your perception of what they are is completely different. If he's what he was last season and he's a bust, then yeah, like, they're going to struggle. You know, Nicholas Jackson, like it's, it's a really yes. interesting signing. Um, you know, I, I kind of can't wait to see how that goes. It's why the Nkunku thing is so disappointing. Cause I think there, there are, there's some variables and some uncertainties, but he was supposed to be the thing that you could count on up front. And now that's, it's going to be mid season. Maybe. I mean, we'll see mid, but... mid season and asking him then to get like, I mean, he mightn't be in full fitness 
until February with like with a knee injury and 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 recovery and everything. It's it's a lot to ask. It's a disaster, yeah. really. It, it is a total disaster. They're fascinating, uh, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about them. I'm sure there'll be a big topic throughout the season as we as we really get going. My answer, JJ, I think I think people who have listened kind of somewhat closely to this pod over the last several months won't necessarily be surprised with my answer to this question. For me, it's Liverpool. Um, as I have long felt, even through some of the, the depths of last season, that their run still has more life in it. Um, you know, that that quote-unquote bad season last year, which it was, look, it still resulted in a top-five finish. They still scored the third-most goals of any club in the league last year. So there is, there's still life there. there I, we scored a third is. of them against Manchester United. <laughs> you know, there's a phrase you use a lot that I think about with Liverpool. Um, you you often talk about the rhythms of football. I really like yes. that phrase, the rhythms oh, yeah. of football. And like, I'm sort of of the belief that what happened to them last season was kind of the a normal rhythm of football. A team that made a run for the quadruple yeah. the, the season before, that played more total matches than anyone in Europe. It, like, the rhythms of football would tell you that it makes sense that that team might fall off the following season and have a bit of a hangover. And I think that's some of what you saw. Um, you know, the big question, obviously, for Liverpool is going to revolve around the midfield. That was just off the pace last season. They just were. And they've they've started making changes. They've, you know, Klopp called it out. They've recognized it. They tried to address it quickly. And now the revitalization is underway. Like Milner, Ox, yes. Henderson, Keita, Fabinho, they're out. Uh, in so far, we'll see if there's more, McAllister, Sabazlai. You know, I love the additions. Now, of the outgoings, I would say Fabinho is the only one that kind of that that really moves me. Like the other ones, I could I could take them take them or leave them. Fabinho is the one that moves me. But forty million pounds for a player who didn't entirely look like himself last season, you know, if that money's reinvested properly, then like it's it may very well be a wise move to have allowed that to happen. In a perfect world, he would have been the one that I would have liked to have seen stick around. But you know, this is this is the new Saudi era that we're living in. Um, can I look, can I interject? Can I yeah, interject please, for one do. quick second, Andrew? Um, if you ask Jurgen Klopp at the start of the season, you're you're the American owners, and you knock on the door and you say, Jurgen, we got to start rebuilding that midfield, and he'll go, Boom, love what you're thinking. Let's get rid of Henderson and Fabinho this summer quickly. So, excuse me, what? Sorry, what? Let's get rid of both of them. No, this this is this midfield rebuild was not meant to happen with both senior pros gone outside the club. That You're is right. too much that is too much churn to quote the business people too soon. And then, as Jamie Carragher criticized, you're nickel and diming Southampton over Romeo Lavia. Hate the damn money. What are you doing? You've already got money coming in from 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 those players that have gone out. You've got money um like money saved from McAllister. Obviously, there'll be add-ons with the McAllister transfer, but you paid nothing for him. Pay the right. money. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, there, there's what? There's three weeks left in the window. Like I, It gets done, I'm sure. But like, God. I think that this is this is part of the rhythms of football. This is the rhythm of the transfer market. <laughs> like they know they have time. So they're going to, they're going to massage it a little bit and see what they can do. My guess is that will probably happen. Um, probably. Yes. Now other things with Liverpool, like obviously the midfield is going to be what we look at this season. Um, but like in terms of the depth of that attack, who, like who else has that? 
you know, Sala is for, for whatever weirdness there was with them last season, he's still Sala. 30 goals in all competitions last year. Luis Diaz back healthy. Diogo Jota back healthy. You know, the wild cards that can swing this one way or another are going to be Darwin Nunez and Cody Gakpo. Now, I don't know what to make of preseasons, but Nunez has had a strong one. Um, And look, you know me. You know how I I was with Vinicius. You know, not not saying that Nunez is a young player like that, but I I like strikers who are around the action a lot. And sometimes if the finishing isn't there, you know, I I trust that at some point the good ones will find that. And I think Nunez is a good one. I think he showed that when when he was in Portugal. Um, And so I I think he can find that. He's around the action so much of the time. Um, His his non-penalty XG last year was ninth highest in the league. Now, as for Gakpo, he's the one that's interesting because I was reading something from the Daily Mail and they were talking about, what Liverpool's front three might look like. And they made this point about Gakpo. Um, They said, um, Klopp has said that the ticket into his side is defending. If you want to play, you have to be willing and good in both sides of the game. Now, JJ, according to FB ref, uh, Gakpo is in the 99th percentile for tackles per 90, 85th percentile uh, for interceptions per 90, and 76th percentile for blocks per 90 when compared to other forwards. He'll do those things. He's a player who does those things. And if and if one of Klopp's tenants is I don't care what position you play, you will defend. You will counterpress. You know, yes. Gakpo, you would think, is is an ideal fit for what Klopp is going to want to do. So I I still believe. I know that maybe some people jumped off the Liverpool bandwagon with how last season looked. I'm not one of those guys. I think they'll be right back at it. Interesting. Um, can I just finish with the Optus supercomputer? Yeah, um, please. Across the 10,000 simulations, Manchester City only finished outside the top four 0.1% of the time. I need to know what those ones looked like. I need a full analysis of how that happened. Well, they never finished any lower than eighth. Eighth? One of the simulations had them eighth? Yeah, but like this is 10,000 simulations. And um, the permutations within, Andrew, the mathematics. Arsenal finished as runners-up 33.6%, which is more often than any other team in our simulations. I mean, that tallies. And also ended up within the top four in securing UCL qualification on 79.9% of occasions. So how do, I mean, we, how do we shift into the the timeline of Manchester City finishing eighth this season? Like in, in community when they're flipping dice up in the air, like what, what do we have to roll to get into that timeline? I don't know, man, but is there a flux capacitor that can get us to that world? I wanna, I don't I'm so curious what that world looks like. That's, um, that's wild. The, the Optus supercomputer saw Liverpool qualify for the UCL with a top four finish in 76.8% of our simulations. So they're, they're, they're on par with you, Andrew, while Manchester United followed on 63.2%. So, wow. okay. There you go. Interesting, uh, interesting stuff, but at the end, like meaningless. Yeah. Utterly yeah. meaningless. Well, we'll see. We'll find yeah. out. Uh, all right. Next one. One of my favorites, JJ, which manager Ooh. is entering the season on the hottest seat? Well, can I just say, the breaking news is that the seat has not just got hot, it's on fire. He's spontaneously combusted, and he's ran into a tank of petrol, and that's uh, Julian Lopetegui. Unbelievable. Days before the season begins. And probably, did I give him manager of the year last season for for the turnaround at Wolves? Did you? I can't remember. You might have. You might have, yeah. Yeah, um, Lopetegui did a brilliant job when he came in there. But the Wolves, well, he Wolves wasn't just... sacked. It's no, this was but... th- this was a mutual parting of the ways. Yeah, Lopetegui, he of... he's putting together a, an interesting resume of weird exits from jobs mm. on the eve of things. <laughs> like, yeah, he's brilliant at that. He's cornered he the market you... in that. Category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, he's he's left a lot of brides at the altar. Put it that way. <laughs> um, uh, the hottest seat uh, for me, it's David Moyes, okay. which is flipping unbelievable. It's it really is unbelievable. But this is where we're they at. They just won a, and, a major trophy like a week ago. It feels like. But 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 I guarantee you, had they not won that trophy, the natives were restless in the East End of London. Um, last season, they did not see enough enough progress in the league. The league was, they flirted with relegation. Okay, did they flirt with relegation? They probably did a little bit more than that. They probably took relegation to dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they probably did that. Um, but it's um, the Telegraph reporting this, and this is it uh, parsed and, and put into neater order on Football 365. It's been reported that Moyes has been butting heads with West Ham's hierarchy as they have been a shambles during this summer's transfer window. So of, of transfers confirmed, as we sit here right now, they have won Sean Moore from Cliftonville, and he's 17. This is so now, unacceptable. When, when now, you have just taken in $105 million for Declan Rice and you've done nothing on August 8th, it's not okay. Now, um, we understand or we believe that uh, Edson Alvarez has um, agreed, well, he's agreed verbally, but it's not on, it's not over the line. Um, so that's the shambles that they refer to. Moyes is out of contract in 24, and the Telegraph are reporting that his future is in doubt, despite West Ham agreeing to sign IX midfielder Alvarez. Uh, West Ham co-chairman David Sullivan is, is not thought to have any plans to sack Moyes, but fears remain he could leave the club should they start the season badly, or he becomes the target of supporter dissatisfaction. Mm. Um and so it's, it, there's been a big problem, really, with Moyes. Um, there's a new director of football in. Um, the quote is, it has been exacerbated by the appointment of the new technical director, Tim Stuyditon, with the pair at odds, or, yeah, Stuyditon, with the pair at, pair at odds over transfer targets and how to spend the Declan Rice money. So Moyes, my friend Luke, is a big, big West Ham aficionado. Yeah. I know, and he said he said that Moyes is directly involved in the transfer, so it's like a small committee, uh, including the director of football and the manager. So it's not like Moyes identifies, or the the director of football plus the committee identify four or five targets, and Moyes picks the one he wants. It's it's Moyes is an active role in this, and so he's head and butts with uh, with this new technical director. Um, and I only see this going one way. I see Moyes leaving. And Interesting. I see a bad start for West Ham, possibly. So, this the whole idea of, of the hot seat. It's become it's become one of my favorite categories because just by the nature of what this league is now, I mean, you could almost make the case, JJ, that like every seat is Everyone's hot. On it. Every every seat is hot. Like that's just to to varying degrees, but every single seat in this league is hot. We saw that last season with an unprecedented num- unprecedented number of job changes over the course of the of the season. So having said that, I've broken it into tiers that I'm gonna pl- that I'm gonna place different managers into through the lens of the temperature of their seat. So I have three categories: frigid seat, room temperature seat, and burning seat. Okay. I'm gonna say names. You tell me if you think I'm right or wrong with these. Okay. The the seat frigid seat. These are guys who, again, every seat has a temperature right now, but these are the ones that are cold. Pep, Poch, Arteta, Unai Emery, Deserbi. Thomas Frank, Vincent Company, Klopp, Eddie Howe. I think those seats are are frigid. Yes. 
they are frigid. I, I think you could put, if you wanted Marco Silva there, you could have done that. Okay. So room temperature seats. I have Ten Hag, Marco Silva, Gary okay. O'Neill, who we think is the replacement to Julian Lopetegui, um, Ange Postacoglu, Rob Edwards from Luton Town, Steve Cooper, um, and Andoni Araola. Um, Ten Hag, I almost put on the frigid seat, but I kind of am leaning no. on what you said last season, where no Manchester United manager seat is ever frigid. So, um. no, no, it's always <laughs> slightly toasty. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'm okay with those. And then the hot seat, uh, I have Moyes, Heckingbottom, Hodgson, and then ultimately my answer to the question of whose seat is the hottest, Sean Dyche. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I'm I'm fascinated to hear what you have to say about Dyche because I think that seat is quite, it's almost, there's smoke rising from it. There's the toxic smell of burning seat. I think it's the hottest seat. Look, he was brought in to help Everton stave off relegation and he did, but it was tight and it was not a thing of beauty. He was in charge for 18 matches. He won four. Now, some of the results were good. Like they beat Arsenal. They crushed Bright. I still don't know what, what I got to go back and rewatch that game. Five one. What happened that time? Like, what? Where? Yeah. Brighton like, were smelling was, their own farts at that point. Yeah. Uh, they he drew with Chelsea. Drew with Spurs. Um, the Guardian points out under Deitch they collected twenty one points from eighteen matches, which would have yielded forty four points and a joint twelfth place finish if replicated over a full season. Which, by the way, is not a thing. Like you can't do that. But whatever. That that's that is what it would have been. Um, but. Just for a couple reasons. One, like I don't know if he's an appointment necessarily that the fans are still fully behind. Like I think they were fine. They accepted it because they knew what their situation was and they thought he could help. But like, is that is he someone you would be really excited about at the start of a new season? If you're Everton, I don't know. No. Also, much the way that you point out with Moyes, Everton have done very little on the transfer market. Like I don't know that they've gotten better. So he's going to have to do a lot with a little. Like Ashley Young on a free transfer is that doing anything for you? Are uh, not Danjuma? That doing anything for you? Mm. The player that they wanted last year, but they missed out on. He didn't do anything at Spurs. Now he's at Ashley Everton. Young, like, I, I, like that's this is what they've done so far. So, like, ultimately, probably more than any of the other relegation candidates, they're the ones I think that are most desperate to stay up. Like for a variety, like their you know their history, the new stadium that's coming. So I think that will give them the quickest trigger finger of all the bottom tier clubs. Their, their desperation. To, to get it right, to get a new manager bounce if this one isn't working. Even if Deitch isn't the problem, he'll be gone. I, I think if, if – do you have a, an Opta analyst, JJ, that tells you the percentage chance of a manager finishing the season? Because I would think Deitch's chances are very low. And that's not because he's a bad manager. That's not what I'm saying. I just think Everton are going to be bad. And by the nature of that, the manager will get fired. How many seasons of bad can our friend Doug take? Like almost relegation bad. Good for him. No, it's not a healthy existence. Certainly no, not. I, wor- I worry for him and his bowels. <laughs> because that um, does that. I mean, those kind of, that kind of nervous tension going into every game, it wreaks havoc on your on your intestines. No, it's not healthy. It's not. No. Um, all right, we continue now, JJ. Which club do you see making the biggest jump in the table from where they were a year ago? Now, I'm well, going to right. well, go I, quickly I, here because it's sort of, I don't want to repeat things that would have been said already. Um, but I, I feel like the answer kind of, Chelsea were twelfth last year. Yeah, we've already answered this. <laughs> like, are they gonna? Are they gonna be twelfth again? Like, you know, no, no, I can't. I don't see a world where they're anything lower than like seventh. So I, I just 
by the nature of that, like it's almost not fair. Usually this question is a lot harder. Uh, this year, I don't think it is. Like, you know, we didn't even talk before, like Enzo Fernandez, where I'm, I'm excited to see where his career goes. Levi Colwell, who Chelsea are really excited about, like where where it goes for him. Reese James, presumably back and healthy. Like if you look at Ben Chilwell and Reese James, what is, is that the best fullback pairing you think in the Premier League? It might be. Um, I mean, it's very, so. very good. And what's brilliant about them is that they've got such great experience and they're young still. They are. They are. And remember, like, this is not necessarily uncharted waters. Now, it is for some of the players on Chelsea, probably all of them now that Azpilicueta's gone. But, like, remember, in 2016, they were 10th. The next season, they won the league. And, and in, in impressive fashion, I think 93 points. So, you know, these things have a way of cycling. No European football this year, so they can be single-minded in their focus. Um, it's like, it has to be them, right? Yeah, I, I'm, I, and we've answered it. We can't go back in it now. Yeah. We said they're going to finish in the top four. That's your, they, If I said that, then they've got a, a real chance of doing that. That's the biggest jump. It's Chelsea, very simply. Yeah. Um, all right, so no need to bog ourselves down with that one. So the next one, JJ, you can go first here. Which player are you most excited about this season? Um, so I just want to say that I rack my brains to pick players outside of Liverpool, outside of the team I support, that I really can't wait to see again. And I came up with Karu Matoma. Mm. I just I just love watching him play so much. He takes players on. He beats them. He's neat and tidy on the ball. He's got unbelievable skill. His goal in the cup against Liverpool is just, I mean, I know it was scored against my team, but just one of the great goals we've seen in the FA Cup in recent years. He's a fantastic player. Now, the rumours are swirling that he's going to end up at, Man- at Manchester City. Would it shock you? Probably wouldn't, but I would hate to see it because um, I think he's a special player and I, I don't, I'm not always 100% convinced about that kind of a move. Um, and and also, you know, Dejerby has such a specific style of play and then to go into Pep's specific style of play, I wouldn't like to see anything. Dejerby's style of play seems to me uh, to allow him to be me- more free form and more, I know he plays within it within a system too, but within Pep's system, I think it could be even more stifling for him. And also he won't play as much, so I That's don't want that to one. happen. Yeah. Yeah. And Matoma for me is massive. Now, sticking on the Brighton front, Everything Deserby says now, we're all slavishly following and are absolutely in the belief that he is the Messiah of football. Um, Simon Andringa was mentioned by The Athletic. Um, he spent last season on loan at uh, Union saint Gilles. The team, Brighton chairman Tony Bloom, owns a minority stake in. He had 12 goal involvements in the league with double g- digits for overall for goals and assists in 45 appearances. And this is what Dejerby said. I know the quality of Andringa. He's another big player for us. We'll we'll play four competitions and we have to be ready to change many players every three days. So this could be another guy that just bursts onto the scene at Brighton and we're all wowed um, by him. And and look, there's two other ones I want to mention. I still believe in Michaelo Mudrick. I desperately want Mudrick wow. to be great. I, I desperately want him to be great for the simple reason I want the stats guys to be f- so wrong. Because <laughs> because I was so excited about him um, when he came into the Premier League and I, I thought he was going to be at Arsenal. And so did he, actually. <laughs> but I was really excited. And 
then right on the eve of the transfer, you see the underlying stats, go, uh, the stats, and they're saying, well, they're not exactly great. And so it kind of slates you a little bit because over the years, I've started to put more and more stock in these numbers. So Michaela Mudrick, really want him to have a, to have a strong season. And um, uh, Dominic Shobislai, obviously, for Liverpool. Like he, he's not one, like he's one we've been hearing about for a while. Obviously worried about the, the Bundesliga tax on all players coming into the Premier League. But mainly for me, he's got such good technical ability. He's strong, he's athletic. I'm, I'm fascinated by, by this signing. And, and I wonder who within the firmament of the Liverpool transfer system, which has now been turned on its head and was much more flop-centric, we believe. Like who identified him? Who saw that now was the time to get him? Because clubs have known about him for a long time. And still, it's Liverpool that he ends up at after, after a few years of playing at the top level in Germany. So I'm I'm fascinated about him, and I'm excited to see him play. All right, those are all those are all good choices. I I'd agree with all those. Um, however, I listed a different name here, JJ. I have a a candidate who I haven't really talked a ton about on this podcast, but I would say you know how I have my people. Um, yes, I Andrew's think th- people. I think this is a guy who who has sponsored a sponsored by Kleenex has a real oh easy has a real chance this year to become one of my one of my people. Um, it's Eberichieze of Crystal Palace. Now Love we've him. we've seen him kind of building uh, and fine tuning, but then he dealt with that torn Achilles a couple seasons ago, which was a big setback. Um, but we saw his return to form last year: ten goals, four assists. Now he's twenty five. Wilfried Zaha, very quietly, by the way, like for a guy who was like a Crystal Palace legend, a very quiet exit um, to Turkey for Zaha. He's not there anymore. This is Eze's team now as he as he's kind of hitting his real prime years. He's got two years remaining on his contract, which means this is kind of like you're 25, two years left on a contract. This is sort of a showcase season for some of Europe's top clubs, because at his age on that deal, if a, if a big move is going to happen, it would be this time next year, I would think. Um, you know, last season for him, a little over four shot creating actions per 90, which is top 20 in the league, 11 successful take-ons that led to a shot, which was 12th most, 16 goal creating actions, top 14 in the league, um, the most successful take-ons of any player in the league. So he's just like electric with the ball at his feet, fun player to watch, uh, creates a lot in attack for Palace, and he's going to have to do a lot of that Uh for them this season uh, if they're going to have another successful year and avoid and, and avoid even being in a relegation fight, he's going to have to kind of take on the burden this season, a lot of that himself. So uh, I'm excited about as I like watching him play and um, he's probably, he, he's the guy that I would, that I would earmark for this one. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. We continue. How many true title contenders do you see in this league right now? Um. Honestly, I see one, uh, Manchester City, and all the simulations, all the stats, people see exactly the <laughs> same thing. Now, Manchester City fans will be like, oh, no, 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 oh, we're pretty nervous, you know, we've we've lost some players, oh, you know, you know, there's other good teams, like, desperate to make out that they're not the favourite, because they like to think that they are just, hey, we're just regular team, look at our rise across the last 10 years, everything's normal. Uh, which we know it isn't. But if we are going to ask questions about Manchester City, I've just said that they they look like my one true title contender. Um, it's a question that was posed in an ESPN Plus article 
um, by Ryan O'Hanlon. And the one big question for City was, will Maris and Gundogan and their departures hurt more than we think? So they broke it down over the past five Premier League seasons. Gundogan and Maris averaged 16 goals and 9.6 assists from 82.2 chances created. They were neither the most prominent goal scorers nor the table setters, but they were integral in filling roles that needed filling and handling the magnitude of tactical responsibilities Guardiola threw at them. So they have Haaland, De Bruyne, Grealish, Foden, Alvarez, Bernardo Silva for the moment anyway. But they've lost a pair of top-level blue guys and we'll have to see how long it takes Guardiola and company to account for that loss, which I agree with. Yeah, I do think that those guys were... I mean, a glue guy. Like, I know important. glue guy. Glue guy is a complimentary term, but I almost feel like it's selling, especially Gundawan, short. Yeah, they were probably better than that. Yeah. Um, and they also gave what the remark that was made when we watched Real Madrid play Manchester City, and we saw the substitutions, and you saw who City had to spring off the bench, and you're like, "For goodness sake, these are unbelievable! Look at this depth." Yeah, well, that's two less to that. Mm-hmm. So we have to factor in how that will affect them. Yeah, but they're still my favorites. Yeah, I agree. They're the, only, they're the only one on the horizon for me. I, I think so too. I think it's this is a year of of one of one clear one, and it's City. So I, I got to thinking about that, and the idea of there being a title race in the Premier League. And so I, I kind of I went back, JJ, and I examined the last ten seasons to try to think. Okay, well, are title races normal, or when we have them, do we need to cherish them? because they're not the norm. Um, and so I looked at the last 10 seasons. It's just a, a, That's the sample size I took. If you want to go further, sure. Last season, yes, we had one. The season before that, yes, definitely. Came down to that, that final Gundawan goal. The year before that, 2020-21, we did not have one. Uh, City won the league by 12 points over United. The year before that, JJ, the very normal 2019-2020 season, uh, we did not have one. Liverpool ran away with it. The year before that, City won the league by 19 points. The 2016-17 season, Chelsea over Spurs, was that a title race? I don't, meh, maybe. I'll count it as half a race, I guess. Uh, The year before that, Leicester over Spurs. Remember, Spurs didn't even finish second that year. Arsenal wound up edging them on the final day of the season. It was a 10-point gap from first to second. That's not really a full-blown race. It was treated like one because it was Leicester and everyone was so excited about it. Um, with every game they played as to whether or not they do it. But it wasn't really like if that were City, if everything was the same and that was City, we wouldn't consider that a title race. The year before that, not really. Chelsea over City by eight points. The year before that, we did have one City over Liverpool in the don't let it slip season. And the year before that, back in 2013, not a title race. United over City by 11 points. So to break all that down for you, in the last 10 seasons, we've had a title race in basically three and a half of them. So title races are not, they're not the norm. When you get one, you've got to appreciate it. Maybe we've gotten a little bit greedy because the last couple seasons we've had some great ones. Um, but they're not like it, for us to say, yeah, there's really only one title contender this season. People might hear that and think, what? No, 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 no. But that's like more often than not, you don't really get a title race in this league, at least looking at these last the last decade of this league. Which is an amazing thing because the lore that the league is built on was probably from a few seasons in the 90s with Newcastle, Manchester United, Blackburn. And those seasons have kind of come together, uh, obviously 99 as well, and and convinced people it's the most exciting league in the world. The excitement is not necessarily from the title race, as you've said. I mean, when it, when it delivers, it's spectacular. 
Um, but it's it's a it, it can still be fun, but let's not kid ourselves. It's not always. It's yeah. not always like 1994, 95, where it goes to the last day. Yeah, and the team like, that wins the league actually loses because the other team can't win. That's not, that's not <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think we got one title contender, and obviously we know we all know who that is. It's Manchester City. Uh, let's see. Before we continue, JJ, this uh, we should tell you that tonight's Premier League preview part one is brought to you by Manscaped. That's right. The best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. That's right, with the uh, with the lawnmower, which is the main shaver, the weed whacker, which is kind of for trimming nose hairs, the boxer briefs, uh, the different sizing options for the lawnmower, the charger, the travel bag, all of it. All of it. It's all part of the Performance Package, which is spectacular. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com that's caught offside at manscaped.com 20% off and free shipping with the code caught offside at manscaped.com 20% off free shipping on this terrific product uh, product that we've we've been we've been glowing about for months now really all through the summer on uh on our on our grooming i know jj was going through the different states carving states into that that part of his body i don't know what he's up to now uh, but i can tell you you can't do it with scissors you could only do it with well, I'll put it this way. I've, I've moved on to former Russian republics. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Kazakhstan, Natural Europe next. Next place to go to. 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code CAUGHTOFFSIDE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. We're about halfway through. JJ feels like a nice time to maybe step away. I know in this season of the Premier League, there's going to be like 15 minutes of first half stoppage time. So we're kind of nearing the end of that here. We'll go ahead. We'll have some orange peels. We'll come back with more of our part one Premier League season preview edition. Caught offside. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Oh, back now. Caught Offside as our Premier League preview rolls along. I should say, before we get back into it, um, while the U.S. are out, of course, of the Women's World Cup, but I do still want to mention a, a couple quick things here. Um, boy, England were staring down, like, after the U.S. went out, England were then anointed as the new favorites. They were staring down a very similar fate as it was nil-nil to penalties, and they went down a woman as Lauren James, who was who was really emerging as maybe the breakout star of this tournament, just had a... <laughs> A, a total, an unbelievable loss of composure. Uh, just a thing that that can't happen. 
No, everyone was saying it was Beckham-esque. But Beckham was the one that I referred to Beckham against Argentina in 1998 yeah. in France. Beckham was the one that was prone. He was on the ground on his on his front and kicked up at Diego Simeone, which was stupid. But Lauren James's was the the, the Nigerian player was was flat on the ground and she just stood on her butt, like stamped on her butt, and it was like total needless. So it was more like it reminded me of Zidane. Everyone thinks of the Zidane headbutt in 2006, but he was sent off in 98 and missed two two or three games for stamping on a Saudi Arabian player. Just pure. Now he says, he, I think he claimed that there was some abuse given to him from the Saudi Arabian player, but it reminded me of that more than anything else. Like totally needless, just a, a loss of composure. Um, and England, if England are going to do this, they are going to, how shall we put this? They're just going to grind out this World Cup. Well, I mean, how many more key players can they lose before it catches up with them? Like, I give them credit for, I guess, I mean, they should be in the quarterfinals, of course. But, like, <laughs> between the injuries, Kira Walsh's injury at this tournament, now Lauren James with a red card, and we'll see if, if more games get tacked onto the suspension. I'll be honest, they, they pro- I think they kind of should for what she did. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's possible. But but what I'm talking about is England nil nil against Nigeria. Nigeria could easily have won that game. Um, like, so could England, though. I mean, the Nigerian I mean, goalkeeper right. made some great saves. I mean, they smashed they smashed China six one. Fair enough, give them that. But like the other results, one uh, nil over Denmark. Um, like it's not like they're free scoring. They're they're nothing compared to what they were at the European Championships. We under I think that's fair to say one nil against Haiti. Like this is. This tournament feels very up for grabs right now, which is great. I I totally agree with you. And and that's why the quarterfinal matchups are so exciting. Spain and the Netherlands could be an absolute belter. Yeah. I think the Jap I actually think the Japanese are going to roll Sweden. The only thing I'd say about the Swedes is their physicality. They were Um, not I mean, like it's a US WNT bash fest over the last 48 hours or so, but like what gets lost in that is that Sweden were not impressive. No, and and Japan have arguably been the most impressive team. I would agree Correct. with you. Yeah, um, Australia and France. I mean, with Sam Kerr back in, the Australians are on a bit of a roll here, um, but the French are formidable. I, I don't, don't, that's a close one. And England and Colombia. This is a real banana skin game for England because Colombia are everyone's darlings now that um, now that Jamaica are gone out. They are the they're the team everyone is kind of rooting for. There's been a, um, a lot of good goals in this tournament, but the 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 Catalina Usme goal that she scored, the winner for Colombia, is one of my favorites so far. Yeah. What the um, what a what a touch! Oh, that first oh, touch is just ridiculous. Beautiful, beautiful, and um, I think that's going to be another grind fest for England if they're going to get through it. Because uh, if we know anything about the Colombian character, um, they don't go down without a fight in 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 soccer terms. There, they're very robust. Um, yeah. Jesus, it's really it's really heating up. It's uh, yeah. it's a shame not to be a part of it. It is, um, boy, it is. Yeah, and the analysis continues with uh, our friend, a one-time fairly regular member of the podcast, or member of the podcast. That's too strong, but guest on the podcast. We had him on twice or three times, I guess. Alexi Lalas to the to the front to the forefront of that, and um, Megan Rapino uh, getting. Getting pelters and and weird revenge from the right side of American politics. It's been a nasty few days, I would say. Yeah, 
I don't know, this idea of Americans happy that the American American team lost at a tournament. Yeah, I, I can't. That's Americans. I don't know. Americans, don't know. however an, uh, arrogant, however arrogantly or confident, or overconfident, or however you found it distasteful the way they did it, they peacefully used their free speech to collectively bargain for better terms, working conditions. Um, so they they covered they were in, as enshrined by the constitution the the fir, you know the freedom of speech the first amendment they did all that uh, they represented their country and the great patriots are upset or rather not upset they're delighted that America has failed in something I, I can't yeah. put that all together they're I this can't. no that this is look I'm disappointed with how this went and this team from a soccer perspective was they would tell you this was a disappointment um. But like if you if you can't see the positive impact that this group of players has had, not just from the equal pay standpoint, but just think of the millions of of young girls in this country that have been inspired by these these women. I mean, then I don't know, man. Do, I, then do, I can't do, help you. Do all these guys not have like women in their lives or daughters in their I don't lives? Know. I, don't I, know. I don't like, and it's not a it's not. I'm not. I'm genuinely not being political about this. I I and I know you're you're biting your lip. You're like, here he goes. Who me? I, yeah. Because you don't want me to go on some mad rant, and we're here until like well, no, uh, no, I guess not. No, not really, quite frankly. No. But <laughs> no, I just, I mean, just park your politics for a second. Like rooting for Americans to fail. Like there was something like horribly naive, and you know, from from Dan Rather when he when he said that time about the Iraq War. When America goes to war, I want to see my country win. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. When he's supposed to be an impartial reporter, but at the same time, when you apply that to sport, I I never want to see Americans like American teams embarrassed or humiliated or defeated. Like, why? It's a game of football, and they're yeah. representing you. They don't represent me. All right, okay. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Some of the some of the fallout has been disappointing. Yep. Um, but look but... at. Yeah, I mean, everyone's got an axe to grind, and they'll use whatever they can. It's 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 another part of this large culture war that everyone wants to be involved in, and yeah. the fact that we can hear from everyone on Twitter, um, freedom of speech is great, but some people I just I don't want to hear from them. Uh, all right, we continue now, JJ, with our Premier League preview, um, best transfer so far. Um, I would uh, it's got to be Johnny Evans at United, no. No, oh, uh, wonderful transfer! Yeah. Getting that experience in for a few months or a few games, even before he goes away. Yeah. I'll, I'll do mine quickly. It's got to be Romeo Beckham at Brentford, right? Oh yeah, he, yeah. That, that I mean, look, <laughs> look at what he did at Inter Miami. Look at what he did. He deserved that transfer based on merit. <laughs> so what? Merit, do, tells you. What do you have? Uh, Alexis McAllister for being an absolute steal to Liverpool. Oh, you World took Cup mine, one. you animal! Yeah, but no, no, no. You can you can extrapolate upon that one. I've got three. Um, Moussa Diaby from Bear Leverkusen to Aston Villa like someone that is that quick but is that good of a dribbler like that this could be something absolutely fascinating um, for Villa and again another another reason why there's something slowly bubbling there in Birmingham or we feel there is under Unai Emery and then uh, we mentioned it before uh, Nicholas Jackson from Villarreal to Chelsea uh, one one that I mean, I, I just think those three stood out to me as uh, as the best transfers so far. So far, yeah. My my answer is McAllister. I mean, like you said, that thirty five million that's that's not fair for what this guy can bring. So versatile, can play as a six, eight, or a ten. Which, you by the way, him. 
which by the way, at the start of the season, they're going to need that versatility because he's probably going to be playing in maybe a more defensive role than he would have liked. Um, but he was top 10 in through balls, top 10 in possession, one in the middle third, top 10 possession, one in the final third. Um, second spectrum, the statistics site, they note McAllister registered uh, 328 counter presses for Brighton last season, more than any Liverpool midfielder. Um, I just think if you're a Liverpool fan, you got to be so excited about what this guy might look like in a Klopp system. Um, a couple others that I had some honorable mentions, um, James Madison at Spurs. I, I, uh, I just can't wait to see that. I'll have a little bit, a little bit more on that later on. Um, another Aston Villa one, JJ bodes well that we both have Aston Villa ones, pa- uh, Pal Torres, Aston Villa getting a 26 year old central defender that at some point or another in the last couple of years had been covered, coveted by Bayern United and Spurs. And they're getting him at yeah. 33 million pounds, which is not financially crippling. I mean, that's this is Aston Villa. This is, this is very good. Like I wonder the Unai Emery effect paying dividends, not just on the field, but in the market. Cause they were, well, uh, Emery they, knows him. Emery knows him well. Yeah, so they were uh, together at Villarreal from 2020 to 2022. They won uh, things together. Yep. Uh, and then one other one I had, um, Mateo Kovacic going to Manchester City. Um, Look, he may have flaws here and there, but ultimately when I look at this, I think about Manchester City having two of the best passers in the Premier League in the same midfield together, feeding balls into Erling Holland. Like that, there's something about that that could be, as an impartial observer, could be really fun to watch. Um, So we'll see. That's that's one that I'm uh, I'm intrigued by. Um, So there you go. Uh, let's see. Next question, JJ. One of my favorites. Absolutely one of my favorites that you introduced to the season preview podcast a couple of years ago. Our outlandish prediction that we can take back at a later date. You, um, go, you give yours first? Yeah. And I mean, again, I'm. these are deliberately outlandish. Don't Please don't freak out at me, okay? Um, Manchester United have a truly terrible season. <laughs> You with, are uh, with, you're one of the all time great trolls. You can't help it. With with Onana particularly poor. Like where is this I'm coming ta- from? Because he got chipped talking, the other day. I'm talking howlers. Oh no no no! I just I'll tell you where it's coming from. I saw a preseason game that we're playing. God knows where. I think somewhere in the states. And um, there was a ball given away by Harry Maguire. Couple, like a good few passes before a shot which went wide and Onana does that thing that goalkeepers do that I absolutely despise he runs out while the ball is like hitting the billboards and coming back into play like before he, he doesn't set himself for a goal kick or anything he just runs out immediately as the ball goes wide and just berates Harry Maguire now yeah, he's, a, he's a vocal a verbal leader JJ mm, yeah I don't know. I think he saw. I think he saw the the low hanging fruit and just went for it. Um, so I want him. I want him to drop a few howlers after that because Maguire doesn't need that. Nobody oh, needs no. that. No. Um, and uh, the other one is uh, Brighton fall way off. Wow. And suddenly, and suddenly, Dejerby is not the Messiah. He's just a very naughty boy, which is obviously from Life of Brian. Yeah, he's just a he's just a street fighting man. Once. Oh, again. you're you've taken how how has this happened? Where you've taken mine? Oh, I didn't actually look at yours. Sorry. I say this is this is wrong what's happened here. My uh, my outlandish prediction is that Roberto Deserbi is going to fight someone this year. Oh, that's different. He's going to fight someone, I think. He's going to so. get I don't know what I don't know the degree of it. I don't know if it'll be it may not be violent necessarily, but I believe at some point this season 
Roberto DeGerbi will get into some sort of physical confrontation with someone else, whether it be another player, uh, an op- uh, the op- uh, opposing manager. Like, I just can't get his weird rage toward Christian Stellini. I can't get that image out of my head. And like, what, what, like, what prompted it? See, it still seems so benign to me that like he felt that Stellini didn't give him the proper amount of respect in the pre-match press conferences. Yes. So, so he needed to rip him on the field before the game. Like I, I, I can't remove that. I think there, I think there's a, like I said, I think there's a real fiery guy in there. He's getting a lot of praise now. He's found his footing in this league. I think he's going to find some real confidence in, in his personality. And we're going to start to see, I think he, I think he's going to fight someone. Can, can I, can I just say, I, so um, uh, over the weekend, when I was looking after the baby, I um, decided it was time to watch Godfather 1 and 2. Oh, wow. And Zerbi getting angry at, what was his name again? It was Christian Stellini. Yeah. Kind of like the rage for, for the perceived slight made me feel kind of awkward. Stellini was so bashful afterwards. He was like almost... He he looked confused. He, he did look confused. It it reminds me of how I always feel sad whenever Michael Corleone lashes out at Tom Hagen. I'm like, there isn't a more loyal, nicer guy than I Tom. Know. Where is this rage coming from? <laughs> Sorry, Tom, you're out. I, no, no, he's the last person that should be out. You trusted Hyman Roth. No. Hagen, he's your guy, always. Trust the Irishman. If you ask me before this podcast, if somewhere along the way Christian Stellini would be compared to Tom Hagen, I would have said you're crazy. But here we are. Here we are. Uh, let's see. All right, next next question here, JJ. Which player needs to have a big season? There are no wrong um, answers here. What's that? There's no wrong answers here with this one. No. Um Listen, if you're going to have that amount of money spent for you in a position where the club has struggled since maybe 2012-2013, I'm going to say Rasmus Hoyland, Manchester United. Um, So Mark Ogden did a great piece on, on this signing and... He looked at all the the strikers that were available, the senior proven strikers that were available and why United wouldn't go after them. So he looked at Harry Kane and United, the United hierarchy said, we're not doing that because it'll turn into a saga, a dance with Daniel Levy. No, we don't want that. No messing. Um, They looked at Oshiman. They thought they couldn't get him. And then they looked at... um, Believe it or not, according to uh, Mark Ogden, they looked at uh, Lukaku and decided not bringing him back. That's that's not the way to go. And they wanted someone who was young and would be able to be able to press as well. Um, so they went with Highland, but there's, you know, they were saying that uh, they didn't want to make Syria as an accurate gauge of Lukaku's striking abilities because of what happened. Um, they don't. They don't believe that it's relatable. Goals in Syria do not relate into the same amount in the Premier League. So Mark Ogden uh, wrote this: the immediate counter to that argument would be to question the decision to sign Hoyland 
sorry, Hoi Lun, the D is silent. He said that. Uh, Hoi Lun, who scored just nine goals in Syria for Atalanta last season. It is a question being also being asked within scouting circles, with one Premier League scout telling ESPN that while Hoi Lun generated glowing reports during his brief stint in Austria with Sturm Graz in 2022, the view amongst many within that fraternity is that the player is still not ready for England's top flight, and least of all that pressure that becomes that comes with being United's number nine. Others see it slightly different regarding Hoyland as a rough diamond whose performances in the second half of last season showed a rapid rate of progression. At the same time, it's highlighting flaws, poor control, sloppy layoffs that Ten Hag and his coach will have to work on. It's such... To spend that money, but to be that young guy at Manchester United, the biggest club in the world, it's, it's, it's huge, Andrew. It's absolutely massive. He has to do well. He just has to do well straight away. There's, there's, the learning curve is a few games. That's the facts of it. And I just think it's such a lot to ask, especially with the doubts over certain parts of his game. So for, for me, he just jumps off the page. Do I think going young was the right way to go as opposed to the other strikers they looked at? Yes. Um, is he the right guy? Jury's very much out. Uh, that's an interesting one. I think you've cho- I think you've chosen the right club, but the wrong player. I said there were no wrong answers here. I think you have a wrong answer. I'm sorry, because I oh, think wow. I think there will because he's young. He's kind of newly burst on the scene, so I do feel like there might be a little bit of like a grace period Leverage. given to him. Um, I went with a different player on that club, though. I think Anthony. I mean, for some of the same reasons you said, the hype and the price tag, um, and the first season did not go the way he would have wanted. I don't necessarily like to judge players on their first year with the club because there's so many new variables. Not every player is going to showcase their full potential right away, um, which is kind of what I'm saying about Hoyland. Like I'm kind of willing to give him maybe a year's transition. But Anthony, like if you come with the acclaim that this guy came with, then okay, year one, I'm not going to judge you. But year two, like now, now it becomes fair game. Um, and like if he's great, like if he's what they thought they were getting. Can you even imagine like the added weapon that United now have in him? Just a dangerous attacker on the wing who can score goals, who can open up space for others. You don't think if Anthony has a great season that that'll help your guy, Hoyland. Um, but if it's more of the same, then it's just another year of a heavy burden on Rashford and Bruno to do the bulk of the scoring and the attacking. Um, and like, yeah, they're capable. But if you're going to contend with City, uh, make some kind of run in Europe, then like it, there needs to be more and Anthony could be that more, but I don't know. Cause his first season was just, it was up and down, but mostly yeah. down considering what they paid for him. Like you saw that, like there were flashes of the excitement that, that he could bring, but not nearly enough. It's got to happen this season or he'll go down as an, as a, one of the legendary Manchester United busts. Yeah. There's also um, as reported by Rob Dawson, June 28th, there is the open investigation into domestic violence as claimed uh, by his ex-girlfriend, Gabriella Cavalin, who filed a police report against him the start of June, alleging four incidents of domestic violence, bodily injury and threat. That That is, as far as I know, still open and still ongoing. So that's, Terrible. Um, terrible, yep. Um, but I agree with you um, in terms of the football angle. He, um, much more is expected. Yeah. Um, JJ, we're, we've arrived. We're here already in the 90th minute at the final question of our part one of the Premier League season preview. 
what are you personally most excited about this season? Um, I always do this. Oh, it's... wait, it can hold on one of two things. <laughs> uh, it's either something having to do with fans and stadiums uh, or something having to do with grass, maybe new patterns on pitches. Um, I love, I, I do love the, the new grass that, because I can almost smell the cut grass, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about football being back. Like I am excited about <laughs> Liverpool and everything, but it is about football being back. So I wrote, I wrote down these thoughts in a, almost like, um, what was that poet Ginsburg? Was it Alan Ginsburg? Um, like freezing cold 60s? morning. Like he was like a sixties. Uh... Yeah. Wasn't he a beatnik? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can you look him up while I'm doing this? So, um, so this is uh, I guess this came out as poetry. Uh, this is what I'm looking forward to in the winter for the new season, freezing cold morning, early kickoff, wake up, grab coffee, get your hat on, step out into the cold wind, push open the door of the bar, familiar faces, say hello to Vinny. Fancy us today? Don't know. They've been playing well. Coffee consumed. Get a beer in. I'm only having two in the first half, two in the second. It's 7.30 a.m. That's it. Garth, that was a haiku. Uh, Yeah, Allen Ginsberg, JJ, was an American poet and writer. Oh, okay. Uh, What kind of poetry? Forming the core of the beat generation. He vigorously, oh, he vigorously opposed militarism, economic uh, materialism, and sexual repression. Um, I'm I'm against all those things. <laughs> yeah, He's, yeah. Uh, so um, um, yeah. yeah. But it's that. It's like getting up a Saturday morning, heading out. Uh, I'll have to plan it a bit more because I this have is a child. this is a new experience for you. You haven't ha- you haven't experienced a Premier League season yet with a with a child. No, I haven't, but she's experienced a lot of bars with daddy already, so I expect that to continue. Why change Don't now? call social services, please. Uh, let's see. For mine here, JJ, I mean, look, what what the question by its very nature is personal. What are you personally most excited about this season? So I'm and not Did I run... answer it well? Yeah, you did. And and I'm not gonna run from from the personal nature of it either. Um, it's a personal question, so I'll give you a personal answer. I have two things. Number one, I sort of referenced this earlier, but the uh, the Spurs fan of me, I just I can't wait for Rodrigo Bentoncourt to get healthy so I can see what a midfield of him and James Madison will look like because my sense is it'll be t- it could be Tottenham's best midfield since prime Christian Eriksen and prime Moussa Dembele were together. Um, so I'm I'm excited for that. I don't know exactly when he's going to be back from his injury, uh, probably still a f- couple more months, but I'm excited for that. And then. If if you do that thing every year about your excitement of it being back or whatever, then this is the thing that I do every year. My annual look at the Americans expected to feature in the Premier League this season. Um, oh. We should we should mention JJ. We should start this off by saying Matt Turner appears that he's he is thank God going to be leaving Arsenal and most likely heading to Nottingham Forest, um, where I presume he'll be the number one keeper there, and as he should be. Uh, you know what I think. Oh of God, that. I hope so. If he goes there and he's not number one, this is then I'll be saying, "Come home, Matthew." Now, Just correct me. Home. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that where Ethan Horvath is? No, Ethan Horvath was brilliant for Luton Town last season on, right, on I, their on their on their march. He I was an integral it, part. I know, but I thought he moved. I'm going to have to check yep. now. He might have been on loan from Forest. Don't forget, Forest had 17 million players. <laughs> Well, he's listed as a Nottingham Forest player. 
Yeah, but he was that. he was at Luton. I know he season. was at Luton last season. Can't you listen to me? I know he was there last season. I'm talking about this season. Yeah, he's at Forest. Right. So I'm saying that, like, of all the places for Turner to go, um, I so, love the bud. Yeah, but I don't want the, like one's playing time to happen, occur at the expense of the other. I want them all playing. Um, I, I guess technically Zach Steffen is still a Manchester City player, although probably I don't know. He's not going to feature for them this season. Same thing, Gaga Slonina at Chelsea. Um, wouldn't expect to see him. Here's a here's an interesting one. So Fowler and Balogun, JJ, with Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Now, they're trying to move him. But I think it was Monaco that just made uh, a 58 million pound, or I forget what their bid was, but Arsenal rejected Monaco's bid and are asking for 58 million pounds, which seems like an awful lot. When you consider it's a player that they, it feels like they have no interest in using. Like Gabriel Jesus is is dealing with a knee injury, but like you don't see anywhere the idea that Balogun would be any kind of replacement. Like obviously, I get why Enketia is their first choice. He did it last season, but like it doesn't seem like they they have any interest in keeping him. So I mean, for now, Balogun is an Arsenal player, but I don't I don't expect that to be the case for long. And if they get that asking price for him, good for them. I mean, they'll have recouped half the Declan Rice sale on a player that they had no use for. So if that if that if that comes through, nice job. Um, yeah. I'm gonna Chris, have to track that one. I haven't been tracking yeah. it at all. Yeah, uh, Chris oh, yeah. Richards at uh, Chris Richards at Crystal Palace. We'll see if he gets. You know, he had a couple chances last season, but he he dealt with some injuries, had a hard time breaking through. We'll see if he has a better opportunity this season. I hope that he does. Um, so we'll have to see about that. Obviously, the Fulham duo of Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson, they're still there. Uh, excited about both of those. As um, you know, Tim Ream, a year older, but still co-captain of that side. So, um, and, and then last but not least, Austin Trusty, who recently moved to Sheffield United, um, where he was he was with Birmingham, uh, Birmingham, Birmingham City last season on loan from Arsenal. Arsenal have sold him to Sheffield United. So, you know, even though we have, uh, it, it's a shame. Don't forget Tom Brady at Birmingham City. <laughs> That's true. You know, obviously, a lot of the the marquee names of last year: Pulisic, Tyler Adams, uh, Brendan Aronson, uh, Weston McKinney, who joined up later in the season. They're all gone. Although Tyler Adams, now we'll see. Chelsea. I, I wonder if Tyler Adams is being used as almost a leverage play right now, where um, you know Caicedo seems to be the first option for Chelsea with that kind of defensive midfield position. But now they're talking about maybe if if Adams can be a less expensive option should Caicedo not work if Tyler Adams could be maybe somewhere in the 20 million to 30 million pound range, if that's also on the table. So who knows, there may still be a chance for, for Adams to move back into the Premier league as well. But uh, yeah, so not, maybe not quite as many because some of these are going to be backup goalkeepers, but you still American fans out there. If you're, if you're looking for players to, uh, to watch as the season progresses, you you do have some there. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I always enjoy uh, sorry, that. can I can I circle back? Did you say there's a chance that Balogun doesn't go because of that injury to Gabriel Jesus? Well, I'm I'm saying that that might be a logical thought, but it doesn't appear to be the case. It, it seems like Arsenal still want to sell him, that he's huh. not really part of their the sense I get is that he's not really part of their plans, even with that Jesus knee situation. Okay. Okay. But we'll see. Uh, maybe maybe the reason that they've priced them so high is that they do want him but i don't know it feels like feels like he's gonna move um which i think is uh, as an american fan um yeah i mean i like seeing these guys play in the premier league but i think for balogun's development i don't think he should be there because i don't think he's gonna i just don't think, think he's gonna play very much there 
No, and his, his crucial season has been in, in the French League. So yeah. um, wherever he plays, that's the place to be. Yeah. So there you go. Ten questions. Gone. Done. And the best part is, if you aren't happy with somebody we didn't cover, you get to ask that in the mailbag for the following uh, podcast. It's a perfect system. We've nailed it. We've got it down. And all of our, if you're wondering, well, where were the, where were the predictions? I thought I was getting predictions. You'll get them tomorrow. Don't worry. I've already, I've listed mine already. I have them ready to go. Don't feel good about them at all. No, I, I, I don't feel good about mine. In fact, I will probably waver on mine in the morning and go with something else. Yeah. Although my player of the season, I, I'm really happy with what I've done. And I'll tell you, it's not uh, the only hint I'll give you for pretty much the, every year for the last, I think four or five years, I've said Kevin De Bruyne. I have not. I have not said him this year. You haven't. There's someone new. There's someone new. And it's not Holland. I'll say that as well. All right. That is a a tease, Andrew Gundogan. And it's not Jordan Henderson because he's not in the league anymore. So the Jordan Henderson Memorial Trophy for player of the season cannot be won by Jordan Henderson this season. I can't wait for part two. Was that the worst ever player of the season? It ruined. It's not even a real award anymore. It's not. They ruined it when they gave it to him because he because they under the pretense that he was a good guy. Yeah, and and you know, well, that appears to have been somewhat of a pretense. <laughs> I'm not going to say whether he might look. He might be. I know that things that have happened in the last month with him would suggest he's not entirely as invested in some has, of the causes. He has disappointed people in a in a certain way with his move yes. to Saudi Arabia based on based on one of the the big causes that he supported and promoted yes that that that, that's absolutely true um uh i can't wait uh for part two it's i just love this i'm so excited for the season start i genuinely am i'm also excited and i don't know if you share my excitement for hard knocks training camp with the new york jets yeah i am does that float your boat i would yeah like it's not put it this way. I enjoy it. It's not necessarily appointment television for me. Uh, unfortunately, it, used, for, it felt like it used to be. So unfortunately for Hard Knocks, I feel like the problem that they ran into is that they kind of when they created that show, they stumbled upon something that was so successful that it is now replicated by everyone. So it doesn't yeah. feel as special anymore. Like no, I could watch Hard Knocks with the Jets and like guys who are trying to battle for training camp spots, or I could watch like the quarterback on Netflix with Mahomes, cousins, Mariota, like that show. I've seen one episode of that. I enjoyed it. You know, the all for nothing series is kind of similar to hard knocks, which we've seen. No. And there's so many of them. And and then they've done, they've done a hard knocks that goes inside the season. Right. So like I said, yeah, there was an all or nothing with the Eagles in, uh, was it 2019? So You know, I, I enjoy it, but it's, it's kind of, there's a lot now, like, you know, even drive to survive. Like I don't watch the formula one drive to survive. I've heard it's unbelievable and I have to watch it, but like, this Great. is, it's a formula that hard knocks kind of, I'm not going to say they created it. Cause like, they're not the first to necessarily be embedded with a team, but they, they perfected it. They did an amazing job with it on HBO, the production value, the access. And like, now it's you kind of see it everywhere now. Best, the best implanted um documentary is still england's failure to qualify for usa 94 an impossible job graham taylor look it up on youtube i watch it i have some pilgrimage tv that i watch every year 
<laughs> there's there's things that I watch every year. I watch the six parter OJ made in America. You watch that Ezra every Adam. year? Every year since it came out. You know what? I do that with Band of Brothers. I watch that once a year. That's a 10 part series. Got, so yeah. Funny you should mention that. I'm I'm about to do instead of doing my annual fall winter Sopranos rewatch, I've done that already in this in the spring with my girlfriend. I'm gonna do Band of Brothers. But there's appointment TV and an impossible job, Graham Taylor, is just so unbelievable. And you feel nothing but sorrow for the man. Um, and it goes inside their failure to qualify for USA 94, which when I tell you that was seismic, like the earth shattered when they didn't do that. And his I'm life sure. was miserable. It was the height of the tabloids in England and the abuse the man got was just, just terrible. God rest him. Um, but yeah, that they go, they, the access they had, unbelievable. Mm. On the bench during the game, and there was one little quirk. So Phil Neal was his assistant. And Phil would sit there quietly, former Liverpool player. And he had a habit of repeating what Taylor would say. So they're 1-0 down in Poland. And a, an ashen-faced, grim-faced Graham Taylor has his, his arms crossed. And he goes, we're going to need to get righty on. And Phil Neal follows. Yeah, we'll probably need to get righty on. <laughs> Referring to our our um, our former guest Ian Wright, mm. and um, and it's amazing because the level of detail you see them now with clipboards and 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 like X's and O's, and basically he takes Nigel Clough aside in Norway to tell him he's going on, and he's going, "You're going to go in there for Gascoigne, right? You're going to sit in front, just sit in in the hole, and." just behind the front two and then you're going to do your usual thing what do your usual thing but that's when players they did not take on tons and tons of information uh -huh. they were all like think of think of 11 jack Grealishes. okay oh. <laughs> um don't know like very simple folk and they oh. just played 442 and you go out and play, but it's fascinating. They go behind the scenes, and it's it's a it's absolutely it's appointment TV. Interesting. And I watch it every single year. That sounds good. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. And there's one other thing. Oh, I rewatch True Detective season one. Oh wow! From beginning to end, once every single year. Yeah, mine. My pilgrimage is Band of Brothers. I do once a year. Um, I used to not as much anymore, but on the eve of March Madness, I used to watch Hoosiers every year. I know how cheesy that sounds, but whatever, yeah. I did. And then on the eve of um, opening day in baseball, I used to watch the uh, the 2008 Phillies World Series DVD every year. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, and, and then there's just movies that I just not that it's a pilgrimage. I just watch them because you know. You know how you have things like as you're going to bed, you want to watch something that you've seen before that you can kind of just like, you don't need Fall to really pay to... attention, but like yeah. it, it it's relaxes there. your mind. I got a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. But... I've got a ton of those and I'm wearing the t-shirt of one of them now. Heat. Oh, oh boy. Don't get me started. One of the best. One of the best. All right. Hey, this was great. I enjoyed this so much. Part two coming at you. Uh... Hey, we're appointment listening. Yeah. Yeah. Make your, pilgrimage, listening. make your pilgrimage to this podcast twice a week we'll have part two for you coming up in a probably a day or so um and like we said 
you guys are going to have a lot to do with that one. So get in your questions now. We'll go through all that. I love part two. It's so much fun going through some of the random stuff. And um, it's just always, always a fun one. We're here. Start of the season, just a couple days away. I can't believe it. It feels like it just ended. Um, it's so much fun. Premier League is, is just about back. JJ, we'll be back with another one of these a couple days from now. Hey, to you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.